0: Alrighty. Bonjour et bienvenue tout le monde. On behalf of the Fourth Space team and the new initiative, a two black community health check. We are streaming on YouTube live from Concordia University's Fourth Space, which is located on unceded indigenous lands in Jajage, Montreal. At Fourth Space, we collaborate with our university community to bring people together around the research projects, initiatives, and dialogues, conversations that are in development across the uni. And this week, we, we are very honored to have the opportunity to collaborate with Anique Mogil Flavien to host this week's series of events focused on Black community health in the home, the community, and healthcare facilities. Welcome. Over to you, Anique.
1: Thank you so much. Um, I am so excited to have you here today. <laughs> so, this whole week is a conversation around black community health. Um, part of the reason that I wanted to bring this to the forefront is because of my personal research, where I'm looking at caregiving in the black community and trying to understand the role that caregiving has in, that, in facilitating access for a lot of our mm. community members who would otherwise be really kind of removed from healthcare. Um, And so it is such a pleasure to have you here because you've worked in so many different contexts. (laughs) And I have many different perspectives on this. Um, Just to present you, Kimani Daniel is an associate professor in the Ingram School of Nursing at McGill University. She has over 15 years of experience in perinatal health in her role as a clinical nurse specialist and maternal child health at the Centre Integré Universitaire de Santé et des Services Sociaux du Centre-Ouest de de l'Île-de-Montréal. She has been involved in educational initiatives, quality improvement projects, and policy development. She was the site leader for the Quality Improvement Program, Moro a comprehensive performance improvement program that creates a culture of patient uh, patient safety in obstetrical units. She is currently the Quebec director for the Canadian Association of Perinatal and Women Health Nurses, that's right, and has a passion for meaningful exchanges in social justice issues affecting the African diaspora and creating opportunities for change through learning. That is quite a bio.
2: Thank you. I'd love to meet said person. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful to hear. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yes, for sure. I, um, I really just wanted to start our conversation by, you know, when you hear the word uh, Black community health, like the term, like what does that mean for you? How is that different than, say, public health, um, especially as a health professional who actually, you know, knows the like true meanings of these words? Mm-hmm. Can you t- tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, when we think about public health, and and many of us, of course, our knowledge around that lingo is really uh, quite present for us just in terms of being um, still in the ongoing pandemic. Um, And so public health really focuses on, you know, what are those systems sort of structures? What are those systemic structures that we can put in place in terms of, you know, um, uh, sort of marking some of the trends around infectious diseases Um, and looking at public health as a whole. So the whole population is rather large in terms of focus um, versus community health would be something like that is a lot more specific and really targeted to a specific community. So in this case, when we're talking about black community health, we're really looking at what are the strategies that we can put in place uh, to make, um, to help the black community maintain their health. And so what is already in place, because I really do believe in that self-determination and that nature in the black community to determine their own health and there are all sorts of practices um, that the black communities have been engaging in for a very long time that help them maintain their health? And then how can we, again, bonify some of those things and then add to them in terms of providing access for strategies for the Black communities to to, to maintain their health? And so some of this, again, would be, um, again, just to use the uh, COVID-19 pandemic as an example, would be to target um, strategies specific to that community. And so, you know, um, very recently, we've heard some data coming out from from StatsCan. Sorry about that. Um, that indicated that um, Black community was particularly targeted by the COVID nineteen pandemic, and of course, it's of no surprise to many of us who work in healthcare, um, knowing that we are often the providers of healthcare services, um, but sometimes do not have access to those same healthcare services. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a cruel joke <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that we are integrate um, are kind of like integrating into the healthcare system in that way. Um, And so so some of that data really supported that um, the black community needed to be sort of targeted for efforts to, um, to, uh, I guess, maintain their health around COVID-19 because um, they were more likely to be targeted by the virus um, and have, of course, some of those sort of um, the social ills that come with that have long COVID, um, have um, limited access to uh, financial means to maintain their health. Uh, when they're out of work, things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, for the first time, and what I think is really part of the key of this, for the first time we had data to support some of the hunches that we had had for so long. And I think that um, sometimes in Canada, what we're missing is that Canada-specific data when it comes to black communities. Um, So that's really important when I'm looking at uh, black community health. Um, I don't think that you can have a really good conversation about black community health without talking about trust and, and betrayal, of course, mm-hmm. and that historical sort of mistrust that's really embedded in that system. And so if we're trying to look at how can we talk to or talk with and co-create with black communities around health, we need to pay attention to that because it really is driving a lot of the behaviors that we're seeing. Um, and it's driving some of the discussions and conversations and necessarily so it needs to be named and we need to sort of unpack some of the, the language around that um, because we won't make we won't make progress um, on either side.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, when I was thinking about naming this week of conversations, I, I, I didn't just want to call it Black Community Health. I really wanted to think of it as almost like a pulse check of like, mm. are, are we doing OK? And so, in your in your opinion, at this moment, you know, like because we know that the history of of healthcare is a very very long history, um, and I and I try to not stay in, in a, a framework where it's like everything's bad or everything's yes. good, you know, like really trying to keep a, mm-hmm. um, a objective perspective as possible. Do you feel like the last you know two to three years uh, kind of a racial awakening? Um, a lot everything that we've seen, you know, you talked about this in terms of the data that's come out of this. Are we doing well in terms of a community and, and are our needs kind of more at the forefront um, than they have been? Um, are there concerns that you have that might have come up from the last few years of, um, of kind of institutional change, let's say?
2: So the short answer is we're doing better but we could be doing a whole lot better and there really needs to be a whole lot better. Um, And so um, when we talk about that sort of watershed moment in terms of, you know, the pandemic and then of course the, the coexisting pandemic um, right after the George Floyd uh, massacre, um, what, uh, what was really interesting was that we saw all of this hubbub and we saw all of these sort of like percolating events and, and everyone wanted an uh, equity diversity and inclusion team and, we wanted to talk about anti-racism um, all of a sudden. And so some strides have been made. I, it's not to negate that that some strides haven't been made. Certainly, there are more faces at mm-hmm. the table. I mean, in, in spaces where and conversations that I'm having, I think in um, particularly in academia, because that's where um, I'm, I'm working from right now, um, faces in terms of like, there are more black faces at the table. Um, and there have been efforts. In order to increase representation, um, to make things more accessible, and that, thats you know programs, educational programs, frameworks, healthcare access in some way—and um, there's a, certainly an increased consciousness, I would say, around the issues. That doesn't mean there isn't still anti racism. That doesn't mean that every single person has jumped on the Mm bandwagon. And it doesn't mean that all the structures are in place so that we can have sustainable change. Right? So some of those things are knee jerk reactions that say, okay, we'll give money to this particular cause for. Maybe six months to a year kind of thing, right? And the EDI <laughs> well, teams form.
1: That's it, exactly.
2: I have I have an EDI team. They're working on something. I just don't know. This is
1: not generations of systemic issues. Well, this is <laughs> what <I'm saying. laughs> Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. So right now, I think what the key thing um, for us to do right now is really to look at how can we maintain some of those changes. Sure. And um, I think that many of us in the in the space of, you know, um, again, being at the table where things are being discussed really are seeking that and from the beginning uh, we were seeking that in terms of how do we track that things are actually being done that Mm -hmm. change is actually being made how do we hold people accountable for that meaningful change over time Um, because we've seen this before yeah it's not something that hasn't been done before certainly there's a renewed awakening and it's better than it has been in many ways Um, but We've seen the cycle repeat and repeat and we want to make sure that some of this change is sustainable um, and so that we can evolve um, in the coming years I think yeah yeah for sure. so it's changed things to answer the questions it has changed things um, but there's there's lots more to go for yeah. sure
1: well, definitely um, you talked a little bit about the fact that you're teaching right these days can you tell us a little bit more about your path with mm-hmm. healthcare mm-hmm. and the different ways you've you've kind of engaged um, encountered black community health in those different spaces.
2: So um, So you mentioned in your great bio,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that
2: um, I came to healthcare knowing that I wanted to work in, my, in, in um, maternal child health. Um, and I started as a, um, a staff nurse in the obstetrical unit. Um, And I continue to work in that space in um, I continue to work in that space as an educator. And then, of course, as a clinical nurse specialist Um, and then now as an educator in terms of um, at the university. Um, And so the ways in which I saw some of um, of those interactions happening and and, you know, there is, again, a renewed consciousness around those black maternal health outcomes that have been, you know, kind of like all the rage. (laughs) Right now, people are are really, really aware of the differences um, in terms of uh, outcomes and sort of the stories that have come through the media around, you know, black women having difficulty accessing care or having their voice heard. Um, And so have I seen that? Yes, I have seen that in many ways. Um, did I articulate it um, very early in my practice? No. Could I have articulated that that's what was happening? No. Um, so, again, you know, we're all on this journey in terms of articulating it for ourselves in terms of our life story. Um, and I think I come from, um, I chose nursing myself because it really fit with my values in terms of seeing the person at the center and then um, looking at health. Along a spectrum, and then considering that global view of health, mm-hmm. and so it isn't just you know this person you know lying in a bed wanting to have a baby kind of thing. It's you know what is the context of taking that baby home? What are the community supports that are available? You know how did she come to be here? And then you know what is the context of the relationships that she has that um, allow for success, right? And so. Um, and that, and that extends to systemic um, sort of either barriers or access points um, that may or may not be available in her life. And that, you know, for me, it's it's really kind of um, uh, embedded within, you know, nursing that particular patient that we consider a really sort of global view of health. Um, and so um, that is not always so. And, and part of the change that I think that... Um, some of us want to see in the healthcare system is really having that view. Um, and so wouldn't it be great, a bit idealistic, but wouldn't it be great if that person really was viewed in terms of that you know entire sphere of mm. her particular health and then all of the systems were um, kind of running up to meet her um, to support that um, and that there was representation at the bedside and that there was representation in the boardroom and that there was representation in management so that all of the policies that affect her um, are really coming um, from from a place of intersectionality and representation and inclusiveness. Yeah.
0: Sure. Um,
2: so I think that that really drove some of my thinking around that and then um, the opportunity to be involved in some of the initiatives that I've been involved in thus far came, I think, um, in the last couple of years. So that was helpful um, uh, for me to sort of make sense of what I was seeing at the bedside and also
1: um making sense of that uh working as well yeah for sure I feel like um you know one of the things that you talked about in terms of um uh, clinical practice and then in, in terms of um working as an educator right um and how it's almost like the, the your practice allowed you to now um be better equipped as an educator and and, and a more rounded um not only experience, but really just like an understanding of what that is. And even if we're not necessarily able to verbalize it in the moment that we're in the practice, mm-hmm. that still impacts the way in which we kind of mm-hmm. um, impact the education to come. And, and, I, and I was wondering about, you know, how, how you were speaking about, um, you know, black maternal health, like you said, is very uh, prevalent, it's, it's like seen a lot in terms of Instagram posts, in mm-hmm. terms of like the social media aspect of this. Do you find that this impacts students from non-black communities in the way that they, um, like the questions that they may be asking and the way that they kind of approach their own healthcare education. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that that's one of the the goals of social media is that it creates kind of a Mm -hmm. um, public awareness Mm -hmm. that will then impact, um, you know, professionals from many different fields, whether or not that's in their educational kind of um, curriculum, right?
2: Mm I think um, students in general are. First of all, students are awesome, <laughs> um, and so, and then they force us to reckon with uh, with what is today and what is present day awareness, right? Um, and so that student sort of advocacy. For for us to deal with these issues and for us to make things more accessible is fantastic because it really pushes the institution yeah. um, to respond to these issues in a way that um, even you know faculty can't push or mm-hmm. you know the community can't push, right? Um, and so what's nice is that I what I love about this generation is that um, they aren't afraid to have those conversations and they aren't afraid to ask for um, what they're seeing and reflect that back in conversations. So some of the uh, conversations, again, that I'm able to engage uh, students in are things that they are seeing in clinical. And then how come this isn't, isn't so? How come we aren't... How come our curriculum isn't paying attention to differences in skin color? How come our our curriculum isn't um, making all of us feel included in XYZ uh, situation kind of thing? How come this case that we're talking about, this case scenario, is told from this lens um, and uh, with an ableist ideology and and isn't really paying attention to, you know, heteronormative standards kind of thing? So I am always um, really heartened when I hear that feedback from students because I think it takes. Forces us to take a step back and really look at um, all of our privileges, right? And so it isn't just white privilege, like it, it it really is, you know, all the privileges that we all come and sit down mm-hmm. um, at the table with. Um, so I'm happy to hear that. Um one thing that I will say is um, I actually uh, and this is not my story. Um, This is a story from Instagram, actually, Um, and I loved it so much because it really drove home the point for me around representation when, you know, students were saying, you know, what's a big idea around representation in maternal child health? Um, And so it was a story of of a nurse who came onto a shift. Again, she was working. She's the only black nurse in a labor and delivery department. And she came onto her shift and she was receiving a report from the outgoing nurse and the outgoing nurse said, oh, yeah, there's a patient. And you know what? I wrote up a psych consult uh, for this patient and there seems to be something going on. And so she said, "Well, that's kind of weird. Like, what, what's what? Why did why did you write up this psych consult?" And for for those of us in in the in healthcare, when you write a psych consult, it's essentially to say, you know, I want the psychiatrist or the psych team to come and see this patient because there's something going on. She needs assessment. Um, and so the the black nurse inquired, and then the um, the other nurse uh, said, "You know, she just keeps hitting her head all the time, and I think she needs to be seen, right?" So the black nurse kind of peeked in the room, looked at. The woman, and then came back and said, "Oh yeah, that's just something we do." And she's like, what what, what, "What? what do you mean?" She's like, "Oh well, she has a weave, <laughs> and when it gets itchy under Girl the, I'd like, a- I, and the thing is, I'm I'm looking around, and you guys can't see, but there are black people in here nodding, 100 oh, yeah. percent, because we all know. Oh, you this. know, and the pencil,
1: you might all have of a it. pencil, all of you it. might have all and, kinds of ways that you deal with
2: and, that. And, and the I can't itch because oh, I'm about sure. to do a perm, right? Sure. That too. So oh, I, I, I love this story. Why? Oh because it, it really, it tells us like we need to be there because one, think of the healthcare costs.
1: That's crazy. To
2: a system that uh, made a psych consult for a very explainable thing in the black community.
1: Yeah.
2: Um and, and this is why it drove home the point to me in terms of it being everyone's problem, because the healthcare care costs are, are everyone's problem. And then two, who did that psych pers- the, the psych team not see? That actually needed the 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 care at the bedside. So I was just like, I was like, you try to explain the representation. You're like, why is it important? Can't I? It's it's still important. Like I need to have you know the black nurse, the black P B, the black like the X Y Z person, caring for uh, me, and we need to be represented because the population we serve is who we're here for. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I try to drive home in terms of looking at our curriculum. We're responsible for the population we serve. And so if our curriculum uh, is not inclusive and representative, if the teacher is teaching it or not, if the students aren't, then what are we really doing? Are we really serving the needs of the population, right, as healthcare providers? Sure. So I, I, um, I, don't, I don't know. For me, it was like a little aha oh, moment. Great, like love you. it because um, because you know people learn through storytelling. I mean, I believe no, that too. No, but I think yeah. that that's
1: so so key. You know, we, we forget like what that actually looks like on the grounds. You know, like this this idea of like oh, it'll only happen when I you know there's an emergency in this thing, especially when we talk about Black maternal health. Like, mm. I think that people, like, automatically think it's, like, when she has a C-section, when it's, like, but yes. no, it's, 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 like, the very mundane, she's scratching her head stuff, too, you know? Absolutely. Like, wow. And
2: super mundane, right? But if you think of the, you know, like, those who know, know what can happen no, for sure. um, with a mom who has psych consults, and maybe it would have been explained away, and maybe someone would, someone else from another community would have understood. But it
1: could also not.
2: But it could also not. Well, and, you know, and we know, you know, what kinds of relationships we have with the foster care system, and we 100%. know what relationships we have, you know, so etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, so.
1: I mean, I had a, a an experience when, um, so my son was born with the M- Mongolian spots on mm-hmm. his um, back, which look like, you know, it's a hyperpigmentation, mm-hmm. and so they look kind of like bruises, right? Yeah,
2: my son still has those.
1: <laughs> he's, like, he's like three. He still he has still, it on he his, still back. Has yeah. his back. And I had, um, I had a Jamaican nurse, and she came to me, and she said, "I'm going to write it on his file." that he has it because I don't want you to have problems down the line and that like that shook me so hard you know because it's only someone from my community who would be would see what could happen Mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. the line Mm -hmm. who would care for me enough to Mm -hmm. want to prevent that Mm -hmm. for us right and just understand that there's a whole social Cultural history, yeah. right? That yeah. makes it that we can't just be confident mm-hmm. that, like, oh, you know, these things that are very medically explained on my mm-hmm. child's body yeah. will not um, end up being an mm-hmm. issue for us down the line. Yeah, um, yeah, that's absolutely, that's really-
2: and and so. You know, we have a generation of people that, or like healthcare providers, like that nurse, who intervene in order to safeguard mm-hmm. Black mm-hmm. health, right? And so, what I love about again this generation is that they're like, no, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. So our allies know that, 100%. so that like all the communities know that, and and know what we're doing, right? And give voice to all of this work that has been that has been like all this safeguarding, all of the sort of burden that's been on the shoulders of, you know, Black nurses, for example,
1: yeah.
2: for so long uh, to sort of, yeah, to maintain, that, to maintain that health.
1: For sure. I really love how you're talking about it because it really, I think that one of the things that happens is there's this sense that um, when we talk about Black community health, a, only Black people can speak about it, or mm-hmm. it only impacts mm-hmm. Black people, mm-hmm. or that it is something that only health professionals should be, you know, like, mm-hmm. this is their concern. Mm-hmm. I'm not part of that conversation. But it's like, no, actually, you know, like these things that people put on social media, that the community activism, yeah. the, you know, the caregiving that you do, all of that really mm. um, makes, is part of the ecosystem, yeah. right? It's it's so, so key. Um, I want to, to, to chat a little bit about... Mm-hmm um the initiatives that you're you're Mm -hmm. taking on um and and the initiatives that you kind of see around you you know there's so Mm -hmm. much that's happened in the last few years um and probably many many years like before like like you said a lot of this is in waves and cycles Mm -hmm. they come Mm -hmm. back like all of a sudden people are reinvested in this type of work um but what what does it look like Mm -hmm. in in terms of uh, the field that you're in
2: So um, you kind of hit on some parts of that when you were talking about like having um, seeing health as not just what's happening in hospitals, but essentially everyone being part of it. Um, And so I think some of the focus right now is around um, if we have this broad definition of health and people exist within this microcosm of healthcare relationships that are not just the hospital, not just CLSCs, but outside of that, what is the role of community in terms of building the healthcare system? Not just responding to the needs of a fractured healthcare system, but how can we actually um, engage the community um, through partnerships in terms of building the system? And so uh, some of the um, some of the work that I'm really excited about doing right now um, is engaging that community and building how we should serve them. And so, what I was talking about before, in terms of you know how do we prepare nurses for um, uh, for nursing in this in this essentially time, or so in the current time, um, and for inclusive care, is um, is part of uh, um, a project that I'm working on um, in our particular department at the Ingram School of Nursing. So we're interested in certainly um, part of this is in, in creation. Um, uh, creation of our uh, social accountability office. Um, But part of that is how can we onboard community and have them engaged from the get go in terms of curriculum? Mm. So all of the responses that we have from students that are saying, you know, the curriculum is not responsive to our needs in these particular ways. um, How do we engage community and have them uh, build the build the curriculum with us. I mean, I would say you know decolonize the curriculum essentially uh, with yeah. us, right? <laughs> um, and so, um, what I'm probably going to be working on in the next year is starting some of that community engagement to have some of those conversations to set the stage for integration of you know uh, that consultation into our curriculum. And so um, I think that's a, a really important piece of it. Um, another important piece is, again, representation. I keep going back to it, but representation in terms of healthcare, but, you know, again, uh, medical school, yeah. right? And so um, there are new pathways being built in terms of, you know, the back applicant pathway in right. medical school and, and those sorts of things. So some of my um, time is spent um, advocating for and participating in meetings in terms of um, uh, really allowing access for uh, representation starting from medical school and so that um, so that there are more black faces in terms of physicians, right? Yeah, right. Um, and so again, it's a bit of a pipeline sort of project to at some point allow for our healthcare system to be more inclusive and respond to things. Um, and I think that when we think about our healthcare system right now, um, and I'm very cognizant, I'm speaking like on the eve of our provincial election. Um, and when I think about our, our our healthcare system right now, there's definitely room to grow, and there's definitely room to um, to name some of the things that we've been seeing. like And, and it's fractured, and, and it needs help.
1: Mm-hmm. 100%. When, when we talk about community health, back community health mm-hmm. right now, I think that the two kind of themes that have been most public have been um, black mental health Mm -hmm. and black maternal health, Mm -hmm. right? Those are two kind of themes that are um, really like a call to action. Mm -hmm. And I I always, um, as someone who, you know, I guess because I'm a minority, Mm -hmm. I'm always a little bit concerned when certain things get really public because I know it erases Mm -hmm. other things, Mm -hmm. right? And so without kind of trying to take away from the urgency and the importance of both of these kind of Mm -hmm. health concerns, are there other concerns that you think are impacting the black community um, that maybe are not getting as much light as they should be or are maybe even connected to these health concerns Mm -hmm. um, that we should be also thinking through?
2: Yeah, really good question, Um, because it's making me think of particular, um, I guess, causes, diseases, uh, um, comorbidities that don't get the limelight and wondering why they don't kind of thing. Um, And so um, you can imagine, I mean, diabetes and, and, and heart disease still killing people. And like it stays killing people, you know, and if we looked at the deaths that are related to that, I mean, we could imagine that, you know, the deaths are, are, are you know, 10 or 20 or, or 50 fold what, what we're seeing for black maternal health and those sorts of things. Um, I think uh, caregiving, like you mentioned, um, you know, that you're, you're studying is something um, that does not get a lot of um I guess it doesn't get a lot of attention. And I mean, I think that goes part and parcel with, you know, sometimes, um, you know, uh, social media is not going to highlight social media is really a language of the young. And so it's not going to necessarily going to highlight, you know, the aging population and the, the needs of the aging population. But we're seeing more and more, you know, that sandwich generation get really impacted by caregiving and thinking about, well, how do I provide care for my aging parent, Um, And then this is going to impact all sorts of things. Right. The prices of intergenerational housing, um, the services that are inclusive at that level, um, the the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. And so it's a real complex issue that we're dealing with. But I do think like if we went back to um, some of the um, sort of senior services or community services that need to be built in to take care of those things, they need to get a lot more um, more attention. Along with black maternal care and, and black mental health. Not 100%. to say not to say that it's not important. And I think they're
1: very much connected, right? They are. Like it's in you know black maternal health. When I was dealing with my own black maternal health, I was still yeah. caregiving. There you go. I was still struggling with my own mental health. Yeah. I was, you know, yeah. Like all of these things are they're not kind of um, dissociated, right? Like they, if we try to think of it as like as holistically as possible. Yes. Um, and then and if we are, then that means that we have to, like you said, you know look at, when somebody's in a bed, ideally look at their whole social cultural of um, context. Yeah. If there were a couple of things that you would like, especially as an educator, mm-hmm. that you would like health professionals to know about black communities, and then vice versa, like what you would want um, black community members to know about the healthcare system or professionals, um, what would be some key things for you?
2: Hmm. So... In terms of the black, um, uh, I guess, health professionals knowing about the black community. um, So in addition to, of course, that sort of broad um, definition of health that needs to be explored when we're looking at black community members, um, I would say let's talk about trust. Let's talk about histories. Let's talk about the reasons why we're seeing the behaviors that you're seeing and thinking, why am I seeing this behavior? Well, it's rooted sometimes and a lot of times in um, colonialism, uh, patriarchy, um, and in all of the systems that will say, um, you know what, I am not really trusting what this healthcare professional is telling me because I've seen it borne out through history that there have been other times that we shouldn't have trusted them kind of and thing. And you know what's
1: interesting about that point mm-hmm. is that they might not even know that that's yes. why they feel that way. Yes. Like, that's what I, you know, cause I know... It's like it's a learned mm-hmm. it's it's a culturally learned thing. Like I know the feeling of being like 12 and not knowing at all what this means but still being like I don't want to go to the doctor. Yeah. Like you know yeah. and and why why is that? Yes. Like how many times have you heard that in your household? Yeah. How much you know like mm-hmm. and the, and so this idea that we would all be um, eloquent and able to like explain that like you know it's because of this racial trauma and all of this stuff. Definitely is, not. Is Definitely not. not.
2: Definitely not. Um, and so we're talking about the sort of variability within our black communities, um, and knowing that we're we're essentially not a monolith, <laughs> that there are, you're going to see a lot of things, um, and that and that um, there needs to be a balance in terms of being curious. <laughs> um, but without microaggressing. So so and 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 those those discussions are important. So like how do I learn to be with, you know, black patients or black community members that are seeking healthcare um, is to stay open and stay um, aware of what and listen and listen to what's happening um, and, and have develop an understanding of what you're seeing based on some of the work that you're willing to do in order to meet the needs of the population, right? Because we kind of have to be willing to do the work um, to to get there.
1: And then vice versa. What do you want the community to know?
2: So I would say the communities, <laughs> uh, because you know, yeah, I think of you know, I think of um, you know, elders in our community, and then I think of you know, uh, social media savvy people, and they are different sort of ends of the spectrum, and they're at a different uh, level of knowledge about the healthcare system, and they access it in different ways. Um, but I would say from a lot of the conversations that I have actually um, with. Uh, People who seek me out in terms of making sense of the healthcare system, um, that we have to understand that the healthcare system as we see it is made up of individuals and humans. Mm -hmm. And so the um, ability to make error (laughs) is very present. And I say that not to say that, like, I don't don't want you to think that, oh my gosh, I'm going to walk into this hospital and there's going to be an error, but just to know that it could happen because we do have... People who access the healthcare system and really feel like quite naively that it can't happen and everything. They must know what they're doing. And, and, and I'm here to tell you <laughs> that they, they do, they do, but things can happen. And so what um, kind of acts as a um, buffer to that um, is having people to accompany you through the system. And so, one thing that I strongly advocate for with people that um, speak to me about going to the doctor or going to um, see a healthcare provider is having someone with you, having someone that you can speak to about your appointment prior to your appointment, to be prepared for your appointment, to have them see. That, you know, you've got people <laughs> looking out for you. Um, I wish it didn't matter, but it does. Yeah. Um, and so to have someone to have your back. So, you know, and I really do advocate for that in all spaces. Yes, wonderful if it's representative and someone close to you and and you can access that. But certainly if there are services and where we can have kind of a company that out with people um, to sort of navigate the system fantastic because i think that you know um everyone has trouble i have trouble accessing the healthcare system and i, I worked in it for a number of years you know sometimes i'm like did they call me for what appointment did they call me for and how many numbers do i need to call and now it's a lot more onus is on the patient to access it remember it do things so, so i always wonder
1: to being online which i think yes. you know so as a caregiver for my mom yep. i'm like like I don't, I don't think she'd be able to navigate yeah. the care system at all. Exactly, it's become so um, electronic. And, yeah. And you know what's interesting about that is because I, I, um, I hear you saying it in terms of black community, but I really do think that it's a, a it's something that impacts so many people, right? Like yes. the amount of times I've gone to um health appointments with friends and they they were blank they forgot everything the doctor said they yeah. didn't ask the questions that they asked. i was there they, like i was there you know I, mean? I will like, never
2: forget it i was um, there too the, the
1: whole thing and yeah. it's like and being removed from the context a little bit because the, the diagnosis is not yours or whatever mm-hmm. really allows you to kind of come in um with fresher ears fresher eyes uh more calm mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like all mm-hmm. of these things um, I appreciate that, and I think that advocacy, because because that's what I'm hearing from what you're saying, um, advocacy is so important in terms of uh, like community support, but also in terms of like self advocacy. Like, you know, when they give you a diagnosis, like we're we're generation Google, like yeah. <laughs> taking advantage, yeah. you know, like Absolutely. all of that um, is so key. And, and one of the things that I think has actually uh, been really beautiful about the change, like the, I guess like the the transformation of healthcare Mm -hmm. and where you can go to your doctor and be like well hey I looked this up yeah which was not a possibility say like 10-15 years ago right
2: yes exactly and so you don't have to take exactly what they're telling you as sort of you know the bible truth you need to sort of be okay about questioning and having that and that's what informed consent is right Mm -hmm. like it's you know getting a second opinion if you and then how do you do how do you do that Right, yeah. getting a second opinion if you're if you're yeah. asking questions and ask the questions. I say that because some people just don't ask questions. Yeah. So, sometimes it's just not in your nature. You just kind of go along with it and accept it, and that might be okay the majority of time, to tell you the truth. But I will say you want to make sure. Particularly if you are from you know communities where the history has been that your voice is not heard or your voice is heard less than then you want to make sure that your voice is heard and do everything that you can in order to make it um, more so.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I really appreciate that. And you know what I what I also hear from what you're saying is that um you know there was a time like uh, especially in in so my parents are Haitian in the like Haitian context where the word of the doctor is like Mm. the word of God. (laughs) And, but it's also like, I think that that also impacts our like young health professionals who might be choosing careers based on not wanting to have that kind of pressure too. Right. Mm. And not wanting to be the Holy grail to know that that a lot of this stuff is in conversation with one another. There isn't necessarily like, yes, they're experts in their fields in the sense that they've practiced and studied, but not in the sense that they're not human. Like what you're saying. right? So how do we, get to a point where we, we're seeing our healthcare professionals as part of the conversation rather yes. than, you know, this top-down only yeah. kind of situation. Yeah. Um, if you were to see, you know, if you had your top three changes that you want to see in community health in general, especially in Black community mm-hmm. health, um, they can be the top three in this very particular moment. Oh my gosh, <laughs> top three, wow, okay. What would you like to see? Okay.
2: Okay. (laughs) Hot seat moment. I would, changes, okay. I probably have talked about a number of these changes before. I mean, first, I wanna say data, right? I wanna say data and research, right? I know we poo poo it and we're like, oh my gosh, like, are we gonna have another meeting, a consultation, and whatever, and this if you knew how many causes get started, you need to have the data to get the money to do the thing. Okay? So I want that point to be heard. sure. And and Um, people need
1: to understand that. I think that there is, like especially when people um, who are not in healthcare think that that is like unnecessary, I think it's really um, key to really educate people on on why it it makes a difference. Yeah. When you you understand
2: the way things work, um, and the way that the argument needs to be constructed in support of data. It isn't just like, ah, this is how I feel, and this is my history, and this is, which is born out and totally true. Um, but, um, but the, the data will, will need to support it. And I say that also to say that the lack of data as well has been a real hindrance to the focus on Black um, health mm-hmm. in the past. I remember teaching in, I mean, probably 2000, like the early. Maybe 2010, we had had this change of government. And I remember Harper had decided to like not collect this like, stats can data, um, like demographic data. Um, and I remember thinking uh, and speaking to my, my students, we were having this big conversation about like what would be the impact of not collecting that data. And so if you don't count it, if you don't um, count that it is true, then it isn't true and you don't have to treat it, right? Yeah. Right? It isn't a problem if you don't collect data on it. Um, and so I think we've seen a reversal of some of that, some of that but I think that that is so important um, to our history, I think, in the Black Canadian context, um, because for a very long time, there wasn't a lot of data to support some of the sort of, um, I'll say, risk that we were seeing in the Black community uh, vis-a-vis healthcare. Um, and other community groups were being counted, and we weren't. So it's like, where, what, black people? Are, something's going on, black people? Yes, in the U.S., that's happening. Yeah. And so that leads to that misbuilding, right? Around you know, slavery happened here, like yeah. <laughs> you know, and that 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 importance of documentation. Um, and so um, now, though, there's been a lot of you know activist groups and movements around count it. Right. Yeah. Counted in COVID. And yeah. so we've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of movement around. Like if the data is staring you in the face, there's, there's well, there is some way that you could ignore it, of course. But you will find a way to ignore it. But um, but you you can't ignore the, that that something is happening at that level. There's
1: um, also um, mm-hmm. what I'm so Dr. Jutsena uh, in, in Ottawa mm-hmm. has been working on this a lot around what. Um, what do we call black when we're doing this, de- this ah, data, right? Yes. Because it's like we know that there's black mul- mm-hmm. multiple black communities. Yes. Um, but in this, in the context of data, like yes. uh, we need we need a definition for black, particularly yes. in healthcare, in order to be able to kind of push for some of these things. No, it's not all culturally specific, right? Like, yes, I think, um, you know, maybe if we like look south and we're like, okay, well, in the states, it's like they they have this am- amalgamation of like. Everything's black. It's a monolith, or whatever. And then here we have our different, you know, culture groups, uh, country groups, whatever, mm-hmm. and so on. But there's also like we we know that there's certain things that do impact us. Um, because of skin tone there's certain things yep. that like and so how do we get to like um, a definition that's inclusive enough to get that type of data that we're absolutely. looking
2: for absolutely I think in terms of our numbers we need to look at um, w- maybe a short-term and long-term plan around that mm-hmm. you know um, so maybe it's going with a definition I'm like so not an academic I'm like <laughs> maybe we'll just go for it with a definition right now no, but, uh, but academics will not do that academics will like Let's wordsmith this to death until (laughs) we get a definition everyone agrees with.
1: But it's like, but we need both like speeds, I think, yeah. right? Because there is a certain, that's like, we can't just stop till we yes. have the perfect definition, yes. right? So,
2: And that's the, that's the, that's often what I hear as a criticism for this, like, oh, well, how long is it going to take you to create that data? And me too, like, I'm impatient for, you know, when it's like, okay, we're going to have some more inf- interviews with the students, <laughs> right? Uh, it's like, no, we've got the data, let's yeah. move, you know? And so some things, we've got the data, let's move kind of thing. Yeah, sure. um, so I would say probably, yes, Collect data. Let's do more research so that we can kind of support some of the practice, uh, the the initiatives that we want to see done. Um, and then I would say, uh, just because my heart is always in Black maternal health. <laughs> <laughs> um, is probably in Montreal and maybe in Canada. I'd probably like to see more black doulas. Mm, um, I'm working
1: on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my panic. training. Just you know.
2: we, oh, my gosh. We have so many things to talk about. Look at that. Uh, so I'm always partial to, and and of course, this is not to negate any of the, the things that are already being done because I know that things are being done in terms of um, speaking out about it and then organizing, Um and I also know of, you know, the numbers we have in Montreal to support said, said, said practices. But I really do believe in, in again, representation and, and having someone like you support you through pregnancy and birth is really important. And doulas, of course. I,
1: I, I think everyone should have a doula training. So my uh, grandma mm-hmm. was a midwife in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I talked to my mom about birth work in general, yeah. she was like, it's such. It's so crazy to be in this place yes. and know that most people know nothing about birth work. And that is so, like, it doesn't make sense to her because yes. in, in her village, Everyone. you know, yes, you had your assigned midwife. But, like, technically anyone could help you give birth because everybody was knowledgeable enough about it that if there was some sort of emergency mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. they got it down. Yeah. And so that's why not only, like, yeah. like I want to do the doula training, yes, because I think it's interesting, mm-hmm. yes, because I... Consider that I would do part of it, but also because I think it should be a baseline for yeah. our whole community. Yes.
2: And and it's funny you say that because I'm just off the heels of seeing Woman King. Yes. Um, but I also am all about really recognizing, like, this is our space, right? Like, take the space because historically we have actually a very large tradition. Yes in birth work right like this is part of reclaiming that past that was erased um and not nurtured right and then finding us without any knowledge in this generation of like oh what like how do i do this when it's like no you were supposed to have this training and traditional practices and so when i say that like there isn't only lack in the black communities there's actually so much power and so many things in terms of recognizing our capabilities around Birth work around spirituality. I mean, exactly naturopathic, um, you know. And so that's one thing that I would like to see. When saying so, an integration of you know what we what we say is westernized medicine, an integration of that with naturopathic medicine in a more sort of formal way. Yes. Um, Right. And so we've been talking about that for many years, but very much you know, particularly in the black communities, it's really seen like as a side. A side thing. And I'm just going to, you know, I'll see my naturopath, you know, when things fail with Western (laughs) Western Western medicine kind of thing. And um, I'd like to see, like, how can we marry that? How can we integrate that a little more fully? Because, again, that's part of our histories uh, and, and something that we should really, you know, grab a hold of.
1: Yeah. Oh, really I don't
2: know if I've given you three, I but I feel so. like I gave you I like five. So. I think more birth
1: workers. <laughs> I'm hearing more data, more birth workers. Right. And I'm also hearing, oh. you know, and, uh, and like a, um, an integration of Western and, you know, like Afrocentric yes. ways of being. Right? right. And and Caribbean. And, and yes. I mean, there's so many different ways that uh, we approached health. Over the new wow. generations, I love that. I think that that's so such a important shift to to see, and and one especially the last one that I I don't see as much, right? I definitely see more birth workers. I yes. definitely see a push more and more data, but I don't see as much of. I think there's like there's a, a splitting happening, right? Like there's more people. There's like a, a few people who are like I want to go to an naturopathic way and are really doing that, but then they negate Western medicine. Absolutely, in, and almost in a way of. Um, I, f- I find could be problematic of dissuading our community to engage with Western medicine agreed, entirely, agreed. which is really s- scary to me because these health institutions should belong to us as well, right? And so agreed. like creating more fear for our community to go to doctors is like, as, that's probably not, not the, way. the way to go. <laughs> like, I'm really not about it. Like, probably not let's the bring way it to go. Back and, like, we can have naturopathic ways without mm-hmm. you know, dissuading mm-hmm. our community from that. And then on the other side of just like, Oh, you know, you're gonna oh, you're gonna do a, a um, CT. T. Well, what's that? But like, that's actually really important. You exactly. Know, it's been um, and how do we get that about that kind of stuff? Well, this too? is
2: it. Where's the research about that?
1: Yeah.
2: Wow. Absolutely. Sure, and what you that. were saying related to um, not knowing that some of the fear because you're just like essentially you know negating Western medicine. You're just essentially. Um, taking hold of that fear of Western, probably because of betrayal and mistrust from, you know, historical encounters or experiences. Um, But do you even know that that's why, right? Do you even know that um, that's why you're behaving in those ways?
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's amazing. What role do you see Mm -hmm. for non-Black community members and for people who are not necessarily healthcare professionals, right? So I think it's, Maybe easier for healthcare professionals to kind of get their, like, okay, my patient is from diverse communities, so I, can, I should be involved. Black community, obviously, because it's their own concern. What is it for non-black, non-healthcare um, community members? How do they get involved in these conversations? What's the stake for them? How would you like to see them participate?
2: Wow. Um, so I... I do believe that allyship is essential. So I, I, I believe it's essential um because we can't build this on our own um for various reasons. Um I think that um black communities healthcare is a concern for our our healthcare as a whole, right? And that's just not, I mean, I hate to use like fiscal responsibility around this. It's like if I'm costing the system like you you got to pay attention, right? But you should you should care for more than the fact that it's like hitting your hitting you um, in your pocketbook, but um, that's one reason. And then two, I mean, if it goes back to, for example, like why why did I choose a diverse um, school for my child? Right. Because I think it's important for him, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important for everyone else as well. Yeah. Right. And so the like the diversity, the representation, the whole person care, um, the fact that it's inclusive to, you know, all of all communities. That's a win for us all. Right. That's a win, even if you're not part of that particular group. Um, And so. I do think that um, if you're wanting to be involved and you're not part of that community, one way that allies can give uh, that allies can help is giving voice to and giving space, mm-hmm. right? And so um, elevating, um, making space so that other voices are elevated. And I've seen a lot of the colleagues that I work with do this really, really well um, and make space for me. I've I've, I've had you know, times when, um, space has been given to say like, oh no, like, let's see what, let's see what Kimani thinks about this particular issue kind of thing. Cause you know, lived experience and such. Um, and I think that that's really powerful. Um, I think that they can give voice to in different, um, arenas about what's happening because yes, if I call this chair black, you may or may not believe me because I'm here, but if someone from another community says like, oh, you know what, Kimani said this is black and I really saw it too. And I've, like that's another discussion Mm -hmm. and and that's where we're at as human beings right that um that potentially you know someone from another community calling that chair black is actually usually seen you know as more truth (laughs) truthful or truth-bearing than me saying it um but I think all of it helps right now I think that's where we're at and we need to continue building together
1: yeah I also from what you're you're hearing I'm, I'm hearing a lot of um Collective uh, curiosity. Yeah. Right? Like this, that uh, the, it's so interesting because I think that when it comes to race, people are like, oh no, I should only like care about the, you know, the skin that I'm in. Right? But when it comes to everything else, like it's not like you're like, Oh, I'm not a baker so I don't I don't think about bread. Exactly. <laughs> I just don't across exactly. like, my yes. mind. I never think about these things. Like how do we get to a point where there's no taboo about what I'm allowed to think about, what I don't care about and and so on and so forth? And you wouldn't
2: just going along with that analogy, it's like you wouldn't think twice. You'd be like, okay, it's about bread. Why don't we ask a baker? Just right? Ask a baker. <laughs> Just ask a baker. Just <laughs> baker ask a black person health. about their health.
1: It's so simple. Not a rocket science, knows. right? Not you rocket
2: know. science. Yeah, no. absolutely. I think like we need to, <laughs> it's like we need some voices at the table, but at the same time, we need to like burn the table and build again, oh, right? 100%. So um, I do feel like there's uh, there's stages to this. Um, We're at another stage of like right now, what's uh, opportune about this moment is that there have been there's been, you know, I I guess, development in terms of the numbers of faces that you see. There's been a bit of a shift. Um, And so now it's a real critical moment about sustainability, but also, you know, what are we going to do and how are. Some of those like power dynamics as well going to shift things. Yes. Um, so there's still a lot of work to be be done in a lot of spaces. Like the war isn't won yet, <laughs> kind of thing. For sure. um, yeah, we still trucking on.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I want um, people to know how to get in touch with you, um, to know what else you're doing. Mm-hmm. So what's the best way to kind of either um, keep in touch are you on social media oh, what ew. do you how do you, do you do I, with some let of me
2: that see am I on social media not really not in this space you know what I do have a Twitter handle I guess but not super active um, you can you can actually check in my LinkedIn account is probably a great place to get in touch with me awesome. you can also email me at humanity.daniel uh, at mcgill.ca um, and I will get your email if you're uh, wanting more information or opportunities or um, just wanting to chat about yeah, black I'm health. Sure. I mean, I want people <laughs> I'm here to, too. you know, want
1: to continue this conversation with you. Yeah. I'm really excited, to so definitely check out Kamani on her LinkedIn or um, via email. You said yeah. Kamani.daniel uh, at
2: mcgill.ca at Yeah. So that's uh, that. Anything, any final thoughts that you
1: want to leave? I am
2: on? so happy. This this talk could probably go on forever. <laughs> this the is space good. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I do want people to know like the space is really amazing. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to like future chats. I'm already planning
1: oh about God. using
2: this 100%. space already. 100%. But thank you so much for having me. Thank it was wonderful. You.
1: It's
0: on to you, Anna. (laughs) Woohoo!
1: I'm just excited.
0: well thank you both uh, we, we do hope to have you back in the space Kevani so <laughs> welcome back anytime but we do appreciate your time and this conversation and yeah we kind of do wish it went on a little bit longer because you had so many important things to say thankfully we did live stream it to YouTube so we can share it with folks who signed up and couldn't make it today but hopefully they'll take the time to have a listen to your words thanks so much for sharing with all of us so please check out our schedule on concordia.ca slash four for all the details on how to join those chats.
1: If you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can contact us by email at info.4 at concordia.ca or find us on social media at CU Fourth Space. We'd love to hear from you. The Fourth Space podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffin, and produced with Anna Quebec.
2: Editing by Chanel Lees Marshall and Maximus Delmar, And our theme music, courtesy of
1: Supercontinent.